Many first responders, after they retire, they think that they're pigeonholed into a certain line of work. And that is not the case. You are a first responder or were. You could do anything you want. You have the skill set. My next guest you're going to love, Dave Leith, or Super Dave, is a law enforcement professional of many years, and he is teaching first responders how to start side businesses, be successful outside of their first responder career. You do not want to miss this episode. David Super Dave Leith on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for tuning in. We know you got many options, but you listen to this podcast and we are very appreciative. Please share this show with your family and friends and give us that five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We sure would appreciate it. And special thanks to you, the criminal justice professional, whatever you were doing, wherever you were at in the field. Thank you for doing it. And remember this, you are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. This show is sponsored by FHE Health and their Shatterproof Program for First Responders. And now, here is a word from my good friend, Jimmy. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello everybody, so excited to have my friend David Super Dave Leith on the show. He's a retired veteran law enforcement officer, and now he's doing great things helping you. Not, the first not retired yet. Not oh, retired not retired. Yet. I'm oh, still shit. active duty. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Hey, a lot of people, Dave's a lot of employee people think that. employers are listening. He's still on the job. <laughs> I don't know for how much longer, but yes, I still am. <laughs> Thank you for being here, brother. We recently connected, you. and you're doing great things, and you do a lot of business, and I know you transitioned over from law enforcement to, um, into business. You had a 20-year career in law enforcement, correct? 25 years at this 20, point, God yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah. I did 23. It's time. I did 23. It's, time. it's definitely time. <laughs> now, what – can you – everybody's talking, you know – Everybody always is, fa or I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people are fascinated with uh, what cops do, law enforcement professionals. But it's not, I tell people, it's not what you see in the movies. It's not what you see on TV. That's kind of like the glorified version of law enforcement. You know that. Yes. <laughs> what, what's, what's one of the highs in your career? And then I want to ask you one of the, your lows, because we all have them. 
So what was the highest point in your career? Name an instance where you were like, shit, I'm glad I'm a cop. I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. So hi, I, I used to do a lot of car stops. I was in this community uh, policing unit that did a lot of parades. But when we weren't doing that, we were doing enforcement activities. So I used to do a lot of car stops. I loved doing car stops. I did it for so long that I was out there doing car stops for 17 years uh, as a street cop. I was a very active street cop. And um, one night we uh, had just finished a car stop and someone came, eyes bulging, panicked. He's like, that gas station's being robbed. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, we hightail it. It's just like just over the train tracks. Yeah, yeah. And as we get over the tracks, we see a guy running with a gun in his hand. He's got like the sack in, his, in one hand and the gun in the other hand. And we hop out and I yell gun and we both draw down on him and I tell him to drop it and he drops it. Actually, I saw him throw it down. Yeah. And I was like, Phew, thank God for that. <laughs> and then we uh, we chased him. He he ended up being responsible for like 19 robberies. Oh, and I got I got. Yeah. A lot of cases a lot of, closed. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our stuff was um was self self actuted. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's what's it called? Self initiated. Self Self-initiated. That's the word I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, Self-initiated yeah. actualization. <laughs> I'm thinking of Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of our stuff was self-initiated, so um, we got a good reputation, and uh, we were able to move on to that community unit, and that was like one of my highlights on yeah. patrol. But while in that community unit, I was doing some. Uh, I think I was doing DW patrol one night, and I happened to do a U-turn underneath an overpass um i put my lights on did a u-turn and uh there was a woman at the intersection that saw me doing the u-turn and even though she had the green light she just paused for like an extra half a second to see what i was doing and uh some another woman in an suv came barreling through the red light um she was in like a like a yukon like a big suv mm -hmm. And she came barreling through and she made my car rock. And I'm like, oh my God. So I uh, put the uh, overheads on. I pull her over and um, she was in tox. And the woman who had almost been hit by her came up and she was crying in tears. And she had like her three little girls in the car. And she's like, oh my God, if you hadn't spun around, she's like, we would have oh, wow. been, been smashed by that woman. And she's like, I just paused for an extra second because I saw you had your lights on. She's like, I was trying to see what you were doing. And I was just making a simple U-turn. And uh, I almost got crushed by this Dewey also. And um, the woman was so incredibly grateful that that was one of those nights that I was like, you know, hands on the hip. And I was like, yes, I am super Dave. <laughs> you know, proud, <laughs> proud. Proud to wear the uniform. I was always yeah. super, super proud to be in uniform. Yeah. And um, it's funny. When I was at work, I was always proud to be in the uniform, proud to represent for uh, men and women in uniform and and those of color in uniform. Also, when I worked in, um, you know, uh, those types of neighborhoods. So I was always proud to represent um but when people would ask me what I did for a living uh, outside of work, I had never wanted to say that I was a cop for, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was like, you, you never know who's going to judge you. You never know who's listening. Um, I, 
it wasn't that I was ashamed of the job. I just didn't want to have those conversations when I wasn't working, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you ever I, feel like that? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, yeah, well, and this is what I tell people, Dave. I mean, you probably know this. I mean, that um, you probably experienced it. Um, I know I did. You know, the friends that I had before I became a cop were no longer my friends when I became a cop. Not because yeah. I did something wrong. It's just because a lot of them didn't want to associate with me anymore because I was a, I was one of them. You know, I was, yeah. oh, shit. I'm like, we're going to go to a party and, you know, Pat's going to, you know, say, you know, get us in trouble. I mean, just stupid shit like that. But, you know, but I'm glad it happened the way it did, because, you know, if those friends are going to judge me because I wear a badge, I probably don't want those friends in my life. You know what I mean? You know, what's funny is uh, when I started dating my girlfriend, she would call me knock boy. (laughs) 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 And I never worked in narcotics. (laughs) I She would call me knock boy. But but as as a cop of color, as an African-American police officer, I bet you I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, it was probably more rough for you, I imagine, you know, where people were like you were afraid. Right. Um, To, to tell people yeah. no, to tell people that you were a cop or you didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also always thought that I was going to go undercover and do narcotics. So yeah. I never wanted to put myself out there and like be known as a cop. But everyone already knew it anyway. <laughs> like yeah. everyone I grew up with. Did people give you shit that. about did people give you shit about it? Um no, actually most of my friends that I grew up with, they respected it and they were just like, Yeah, that life is not for me, but good for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I, of- I have, you know, a couple you know, friends that were that are African American, they're black, that they they said that their, you know, neighborhoods not everybody, but a lot of people were like, Fuck that shit. We're not dealing with you anymore, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think most of my, most of my, like a lot of my friends became teachers or they went into the coast guard. So I, I, I always had a good circle around me. So yeah. they went into respected careers also. Good. Good. And, um, they kind of respected what I did, but you know, they always said not for me, <laughs> yeah. you know? So what, that was the highs. I mean, I can relate yeah. to that too. You know, and and just a side note, I mean, people, when you talk about traffic stops, I know there's some cops out there, well, there's, you know, routine. There's, first of all, there's nothing routine about a traffic stop. Second, yeah. you never know what you're going to catch on a traffic stop. I mean, the Oklahoma City bomber was caught on a traffic stop. Joel Rifkin was caught on a traffic stop. So yeah. you, you don't know what, it's like a Cracker Jack box. You never know what you're going to get as a prize when yeah. you pull over that car i mean i've caught you know more warrants more duis like you said uh crazy stuff on traffic stops so i mean i i was really proud i was really proud of my eye like just like i i could sit at an intersection and i would look for the nervous person and i was really really proud of like i i really thought (laughs) i was a great street cop um and i have a lot of of awards to back that up yeah yeah. i got cop cop of the year um i got a bunch of cop of the month awards i I was really active in a very active precinct um very busy oh go ahead brother i'm sorry no that's okay i was gonna say i was a very active street cop and uh the lows to answer that question was uh once i started feeling i was in that unit for 10 years Mm -hmm. So uh, I started getting burnt out of doing car stops. Like it was so like, uh, there was days when I would just like sit under the train tracks and be like, 
I don't know if I could do this today. You know? <laughs> and I was really starting to get burnt. And my partner, he got promoted to sergeant. My sergeant, who I loved, got promoted to lieutenant. Mm -hmm. And they both, so it was like, they both left at a very uh, close and pivotal time. And I, I started feeling that was like my lowest time. I was like, okay, everyone in this unit's getting younger. I'm not getting younger. I've yeah. been here for too long. 10 years is like, I could have left it sooner. Um, but I was having so much fun and I was having yeah. such a good time that I stayed probably three to four years too long. Um, they asked me if I wanted to go into a plain clothes unit and I didn't want to do that because it was just, um, it was like petted larcenies and school incidences and yeah, yeah. I had no desire I had no desire to do that stuff but that was the the path towards detective but the other path that I saw other people take was they went to narcotics and I was like I want to take that path but that wasn't available for me because of the administration the people that were in at the time um I didn't have any phone calls any cranes any hooks that mm -hmm. could pull pull me into the unit it, it's a funny story. My uh, my sergeant that I loved, who ended up becoming the uh, detective lieutenant for narcotics, he was there, but I was already made detective at that point. And I was already in. Uh, so so what happened was I got the phone call from my inspector and he's like, uh, I know you, he's like, I got good news and bad news. Good news <laughs> is you're being promoted. <laughs> and he's like, and, and I'm like, okay, what's the bad news? He's like, I know you wanted to go to narcotics, but uh, we're sending you to special victims. <laughs> I, di I didn't let out the sigh on the phone. Yeah, I, yeah. Just said, I just said, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I hung up and I sat on the couch all deflated. And I was like, oh, God, I got to go to special victims. Yeah. Scratched my head a little bit. And then I sat down. And it, this is a true story. I turned on Law and Order as for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was I know, thinking about oh, when you said as for you. And I know it's nothing like that. I uh, know it's just TV, but like I needed to just escape a little bit from from that blow. But once I got to the unit, I actually really liked it. Um, it, it was a it was a party pooper telling people like where I worked. Yeah, uh, like I remember being on vacation in Colombia, and people were like. Oh, you're a detective. Where do you work? And I was like, Yeah, I'm. I'm in special victims. I work with uh, sexually and physically abused kids, uh, zero to eighteen years old. <laughs> and, uh, and you feel a whole mood of the whole entire pool go. Oh, like, oh, anyway, how about you. those? That's uh... for you, yeah. <laughs> so what else? Game what else night? do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had some I had some really really good cases though and, and I really oh, enjoyed it. Cases. And and I also and I also it was horrendous that that unit was horrendous but, but it was very busy, very rewarding when when we did make an arrest cuz everyone there um was like legit bad guys and um the and I went to court a lot also because you know nobody wants to be labeled a sex offender. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, hated those cases. I mean, I, I you know, I, I worked a lot of them. Uh, I wasn't a, a detective that de just dealt with those cases. But the way it was in my agency is we, you know, the, the detective bureau had all these different types of cases. And those mm -hmm. are just horrible cases, brother. I mean, to, to yeah, work. I know, you know, you I know. know that. I mean, pe I know. some people are just in evil. I know, I know. And, and then uh, some of them are so horrendous that you can't 
that even a jury can't believe that the person was capable of doing it. So you have that against you too. Yeah. Um, you and know, it's like not I just, a, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I had a 75 year old, one of, one of my last cases, I had a 75 year old grandfather that had tied down his 12 year old granddaughter and did things to her. And it was wow. like, I was like, unbelievable. That guy got convicted. Um, I had a lot of good evidence, but uh, that, that was just like one of those cases that like no one could believe that yeah. that was possible, that someone would be capable of that. Yeah. Yeah. Bizarre, I, bizarre stuff. Like he was putting his dead wife's underwear on her and like her lingerie, dead wife's lingerie is like, like, I think he lost his mind a little bit, but even still, that's no excuse. Yeah, that's so, no excuse. Um, The father was like beside himself and livid and wanted to kill his own father. This is his, his daughter, his own father, he's like wanted to kill a guy. And um, you know, like sometimes I think about that that young lady and I wanted to reach out and but uh yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I, I did two two and a half, almost three years in that unit, and then I said, Okay, enough's enough. And I went to uh the general squad doing robberies and kind of like your detective division um sex assaults robberies and funny thing is once i got to the general squad they used to call me the sex expert <laughs> so like any any you got sex all cases, kinds of names dave you got all kinds uh, of names i've had all kinds you got super dave you got sexpert <laughs> all kinds of names yeah they they love to give me the sex cases cuz i was actually very empathetic yeah. with the with the victims even though like the adult cases a lot of them were actually uh, regret and not rape. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was like they got drunk. They don't know if they had sex or not. It was very different, very, very different than what I had been used yeah. to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it, 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 in some of these cases, you know, I mean, because I've worked those cases before too, where people are intoxicated and then it's a, yes. and usually the evidence is gone, you know, time has passed yes. and, and yes. now they're like, it's a he said, she said kind of. It's it's terrible. Those are it's the worst. Those are the worst because you know something happened. There's no there's no in some of these cases, you know, I mean, OK, you know, sex happened. You know, that was yeah. OK. That, that happened. But now it's whether it was consensual or not. I had a good one where uh, the girl had gone on two dates. She slept with them on the first night. No one in my office liked it. Uh, the second night, she said he was making her feel uncomfortable because he was talking like they were much deeper into a relationship. He was talking like about the future and like getting married and like calling the, the dog theirs. And she was just like, she said she, the second day she went to his house, she just wasn't feeling him. And he pulled off her pants and, you know, did what he did, had her crying on the couch and um, no one in my office liked it. But something I think it was where she worked. She was just, to me, felt very credible and very legit. So I pursued it, and I was able to record the guy apologizing to her, saying oh, that wow, he took things go. too far, and and it, it was pretext, the nail in the coffin. Pre pretext phone call that right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You had we her. Able... You had the victim call him, right, and then record. Yes, yeah, three yeah. three way control yeah, call. Yeah, three way yep. control control call. So in thought. New York, you don't have to in as long as it. It's, it's not eavesdropping as long as one party is aware. One party. That's the same in Colorado. Or is the same in Colorado. As long as one party is okay. aware of it, then it's not illegal. Not illegal, not eavesdropping. Yeah. 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 So what was the, the catalyst, brother? What was um 
what was the catalyst that said, okay, I'm, I'm done with law enforcement. Was it just, you hit your pension or was it something else or, or no, it was, was uh, what was was the catalyst? It was a slow winter night where the phones weren't ringing and uh, I was just bored. And, and I was just thinking about like how I was thinking about how my career went and, you know, it's been a long career and I was thinking about having like a, I had a bigger vision for what I could be doing and like, standing on stages and having yeah. my own podcast and which you, you know, do having <laughs> yes which i which i do the hero the hero academy by super yeah, yeah. dave yeah, yeah, super um dave. oh so yeah so it was just like i was walking through the hallway bored and i had like you know it was like it was a little bit of burnout a little bit of boredom and a little bit of uh bigger vision for myself those those three things and uh i've always had a very very active imagination so like when i would walk through the hallway i'd like hold my arms up like superman and be like 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 i'm flying through the hallways yeah <laughs> and uh yeah and, and you know i would sit in the bathroom <clears throat> sometimes until my legs went numb on my phone <laughs> until lights went out <laughs> and i'm like okay something's got to change like this is a clue it's time for change well that's the a lot of people can whatever it's the universe yeah. giving you a nudge, brother, saying, "Hey, you got to do something." Yeah, different. a lot of people, a lot of people can relate to that boredom. Yeah, I can. You know, um, we, you and I, we talked about how, how a lot of people think the job is mostly it's it's like ninety nine percent paperwork and and that one percent excitement. You know, like you, yeah. people live for the, but even the uh, even the foot pursuits, the car chases. And and locking up people gets old. Yeah. It all gets old after a while. Everything gets old. You you have to change for anyone that's still active duty. You have to change every three to five years. You have to make a change if your department is big enough. And if it's not big enough, like I know some people work those uh, you know dozen person departments, mm-hmm. and there's just no there's no chance of changing anything so you have to do something outside of work and for me it was podcasting and speaking and coaching people um to start businesses so yeah. that's and, what and, it was for me and you're and you're very good at it dave and you're very successful you. at it thank you and 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 you know i i tell first responders the ones i talk to and i don't know if you do the same as I think a lot of first responders think they're pigeonholed, especially cops who have yes. done it a long time. They think they're pigeonholed into doing something like, okay, uh, I'm going to retire. Security. I'm going to do security. And there's nothing wrong to the listener. Yep. There's nothing wrong with security. Yep. But I, I think cops think, well, I can only do a couple things. And the reality is you can do whatever you want. Yes. But we've been conditioned, I think, just by the culture of law enforcement. Institutionalized. In yes. Institutionalized. Yes. <laughs> Where we can't do anything else. I'm going to go work security or some shit like that. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but there's so much more you can do. And I know you help people do that. Yes, I do. So it, it begins with uh, your identity. So where Super Dave comes from is the it's it's on brand. So the Hero Academy uh, is all about what society calls heroes. A lot of people hear the title and they say, I'm no hero. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that and i'm and i say to them listen i'm not going to call you a hero um that's not what it's about it's about what society calls heroes and it's more about like when i have you on 
it's more about your career and what you're doing now mm -hmm. and like what you plan on doing. That's what it's really about. It's just to give people ideas for side hustles they can do now or after they retire. Um, it's so much better when you decide to do something and you decide to go after it and you decide how much effort and how many hours you want to put into it. Like if you want to take the day off, I, I just spoke to a guy today. He said he takes off the whole month of June and he, um, he teaches people how to pass promotional exams and he makes a full-time living from just doing that. And, uh, and then he takes off the whole month of June and travels. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many opportunities available for first responders, law enforcement and nurses and military post career, or even while they're still working. Some people get hung up on the idea of, I can't have my name out there in the public, you know, in the internet. And I'm like, you can have an alias. Authors have pen names exactly. all the time. You know, yeah, exactly. for the longest time, my, my name on Facebook was David DM, like, like Carpe DM, D I E M. And then uh, just recently, I changed it to uh, David Lee because I don't put anything out that's controversial. It's all yeah, positive yeah. stuff. I, yeah, yeah. I stay away from politics. I stay away from talking about any yeah. anything yeah. that smart. could potentially get me jammed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always considered myself smart. So, <laughs> And that's my <laughs> advice to any of your listeners, that if you're concerned about your agency, your uh, department that you work for, or uh, if you work for um, you know any kind of agency, just don't put out anything that could be considered controversial and you don't have to use your real name. There's a lot of things that you don't have to, you know, pen, uh, pen names, for example, a lot of authors use pen names. Mm -hmm. Sia, for example, doesn't show her face when she performs. Yeah. You know, she's just like, she's this international star and she doesn't, she chooses to not show her face. You, there's a lot of YouTube channels where people are just speaking into Absolutely. a microphone like this and they're not showing their face. So there are a lot of different ways that you can be public without actually putting your face, your name or your family out there. But and I do. But I believe, too. And I, that's great advice, Dave. But I believe, too, that if you want to get the, to that next level. In, in whatever you want to do, maybe it's a side gig personal, or something. Personal you, brand. You you have to take some risks. Yes. You know, it, shit's just not going to fall in your lap. So if you yes. want to be successful, if you want to start that, write a book or start a show or whatever, you have to take some risk. You know, calculated risk, well thought calculated out risk. Calculated risk, yes. But but to your point, I mean, you, you, you can change things up. You don't have to show your face and all that stuff. Your best advice is don't talk about anything controversial you like switzerland be neutral <laughs> yes you know don't yes. don't go to either side unless you're like you know and if you and if you want to and if you want to speak about politics and and if you want to be polarizing i was going to say then just yeah. be be prepared be prepared to get a lot of backlash and be prepared to walk away from your career and just do that full time because i, I don't uh, do that, that will come back yeah that I don't... will come back on you if you are like some big shot and you make a living off talking about politics or something, okay, that's great. But those people make a ton of money and stuff like that, and that's what they're known for. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I try to put the positive in, in you know, the first responder field. And yeah, we talk about some bad stuff, but I, I try to remain neutral because, you know, I, I just don't want to fall into one of those character you know, categories. You know what I mean? 
or, or characters either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So what what advice would you give like somebody that, you know, is, is you probably get this question, I imagine, Dave. What, what advice would you give somebody who's thinking about a career as a first responder? Say cop, law enforcement. So so my key piece of advice that I give someone that's thinking about a law enforcement career is don't settle on just the town that you live in. Do a little bit of research with Google, make a little spreadsheet and make a list of the top 10 departments that are around you. Like yeah. maybe you don't want to go halfway across the country, but um, I would say start with pay and then start with department size also. And because a larger department, you're going to have more opportunities to move around and do you know more units. I know guys that work in small village departments and they have 20 20 members and their their entire career will be on patrol which there's nothing wrong with patrol i love to patrol but if you want to see different units different aspects of your department it's better to be in a larger department mm -hmm. that has a few hundred members versus you know a few dozen uh so make a list of the departments and then make a list of their starting salaries and their um their top pay that you did you know that they're like you know I'm in New York, mm -hmm. so just outside of New York, everyone thinks about NYPD, New York City, but just outside of New York City, there's dozens and dozens of police departments. Oh yeah, that that they're some of the highest paid in the country. Um, you know, I think there's a place called Clarkstown. I have to look this up, but uh, a few of their officers made like 300k. Oh yeah, um, I, you know, I don't want to put it. people's business out there, but it's in it's in the papers. That's public, it, you know. It's 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 public knowledge, but um, the Port Authority they make a killing. Those guys, like on the low end, they're doing two fifty a year, two fifty a year on the low end with overtime, and then on the high end, you have guys that are over three hundred k. Yeah. Um, and then you have Nassau and Suffolk counties, which are just outside of New York City. And um, you have, you know, 200K cops there, like cops on midnights that are just like killing it between the night differential and the overtime. Yeah. They're killing it. And then and then you have departments that are smaller across the country where, you know, guys are starting out at $20 an hour, you know, like, in uh, you know, it's so there's a big disparity in the, also in California. There's some very high, high-paid departments. Yes, but you know the very, it, very it, it, but, but it balances out. You know that because cost of living, you know, and especially in California, New York's expensive. It, um, New York is expensive, and uh, but I I believe that the property taxes are actually less in California than they are in in New York. Wow. Um, some some areas are extreme. No, but what the price of a home, what you get in California, in some areas. You know, like the square footage is going to be smaller, but your property taxes might be lower. Yeah. Um, here on Long Island, we have people that are paying a thousand dollars a month in taxes, twelve thousand dollars a year, uh, outside <laughs> of their mortgage. So, say wow. the mortgage is two thousand a month, that you tack on an additional thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars a month in just property taxes, and it's just wow. It's, crazy expensive so yes things are expensive but the officers 
in those surrounding areas outside of New York City do very well. So yeah. you can live you can live in an area that doesn't cost that much and make a very very good wage. Yeah. So that that's the in short I would say do some research on salary, find out what the guys are making at top pay and then do a, a comparison of the size of the departments and don't just think that you have to just take the test where you live, take multiple tests. I took about a half dozen different tests and I got called for all of them. I was a pretty good test taker. Yeah. Um, I got called for the city in like four months, went through that whole process. I I did the half of the, more than half the academy. I had a month left to graduate. And then I went in directly into another academy, my current job, and uh, did 11 straight months of academy time at 22 and 23 years old. Uh, I was in sick shape. <laughs> 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 because I was training, I was yeah, training yeah. for a year before going into the academy, and then and then training for that whole year of getting paid while being in the academy. I loved being in the academy. Yeah, yeah. Some people hated it. I, I, you know, I was, I was soaking it all up. I'm like, yeah, I like the academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like being in yeah, the academy. Yeah, they're paying us for this. Uh, my dream was to go back and be an instructor after like seven years, but seven years on the job, I found myself on midnights. And I was being like a, a really good cop, like finding guns and drugs and stuff. Yeah. We were just, and I was young too. So I was training jujitsu. I was young. I was getting into foot pursuits and having a lot of fun. You know, it was, yeah. it was a good time back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's and good. I had a really it's good a, partner too. And it, it's, it's a great career. And I, I know things have, you know, changed since I retired and, and I know you're still on. Did you go job. the supervisor route? Yes, I did. I was a commander. You went to supervisor when, I, when yeah. I retired. I was I was an op commander, and um, but the best time I ever had, Dave, was when I was a street cop. Mm. That was the best time I ever had in my life because it's it's the best. It's the greatest show on earth, especially on patrol. Second best. Second best was probably a, a patrol sergeant. Yeah, yeah, patrol sergeant. That that is the heartbeat of an organization. I mean, everybody's important. But those street supervisors, those sergeants, the corporals, if you have them, we had corporals, um, but mainly the sergeants, they're the, they're the glue. They're keeping every, all the shit in line. You know what I mean? They act as the buffer between the higher ups and the street cops. Yep. And if you get a good patrol sergeant, you know, life is a, a lot easier. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and then if he has good... If he has good people, if he has good people working for oh, him. Oh, absolutely. And, and it was so you know, funny. The, you know the sergeants, brother. You probably know this. You, 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 we used to bid, you know, for seniority and stuff. And all the good sergeants, people would just kind of flock to him. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know, <laughs> bid, follow the sergeants around. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, you have a good boss. You want to stick stick to him like glue. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how do people find you, Dave? I mean, you're doing great work. You did so much in law enforcement. How, if people want to reach out to you. And, so I'm most active. Uh, my social media most active is Instagram. Insta. And, uh, Insta, yeah. I just like scrolling through the photo. It's quick, you know. Yeah. I, I don't mess yeah. with TikTok very much. I'm on there, but I don't mess with it much. Uh, Instagram is Coach Super Dave and the number one. So it's Coach yeah. Super Dave one. And on LinkedIn, it's just my name, I believe. I believe it's just David Lee. No, it's just and a then, Super Dave. Super Dave. Does it? 
<laughs> you could have convinced me because I have that out there a lot. Uh, the podcast is the Hero Academy by love Super it. Dave. Love so it, uh, that's just stories of men and women um, in uniform, uh, healthcare professionals, military, nurses, firemen, and police officers, uh, people that are on the front lines and what they're doing on the side, their side hustles, and it's all about the careers, yeah. similar to your show. Yeah. Um, and I just love talking to this community of people because I know that their, their hearts are in it for the right reasons. Yes. Uh, we all want to make money, but no one started their career for that reason. No. Uh, most started because they have a heart of service. They want to yes. serve. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I love this this greater community of of uh, civil servants. Yeah. Well, you're doing. You're still doing great work, brother. You're still on the job. Thank you so much for your for your service. Uh, and uh, I know I'm going to be retiring sometime. Very, very, very soon. I don't. I just don't. Everyone keeps asking me <laughs> when. I, I don't know. I know. I know it's soon. Yeah. I, I'm timing. I'm lining up a lot of things. Has anyone ever told you you have a great radio voice? Dude, yeah. I'm not saying that in a cocky, shitty, arrogant kind of way. No, no, but I yes, just said it. But, I just said but, it. But, but people have told me that before. You sound like a radio host. Like you, Dude, then why don't you I, hook me up? I know you've radio. been podcasting. You've been podcasting for like 10 years, right? <laughs> well, it's about like seven and a half, eight years. But why don't yeah, you hook me up even still radio that gig? Hook me up, dude. You know people. You're in the Big Apple. You're in Long Island. You don't, you don't need a radio gig. You just need to keep doing your thing. Do your thing. <laughs> You don't need a radio gig. Hey, um, I'm going to Denver in August for the podcast movement. It's a big uh podcast convention. Wow. Um, I didn't hear about that. I'll send you the details. Hopefully, All right. hopefully you can make it. Are you far from Denver? Uh, I'm in Scottsdale, like buddy. I'm I'm like an hour and a half away on a flight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'll send you the details. It's called Podcast Movement, and um, it's it's actually really really good. Cool. All right, brother. Yeah, hopefully we can link super, up. Super Dave Lee, thank you so much, my friend. Everything we talked about, my listeners, is going to be in the show notes, including ways to contact Dave. Thank you so much, brother, for your service, your continued service. Much luck to you in the future. I'm always here if you need anything, brother, and uh, take care yeah, of yourself. Thank you. I forgot to mention I have a book coming out called The Road Coaching Blueprint. I forgot to mention nice. I cannot not plug well, book. you got to plug it, and then you when 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 you come out before it comes out, come back on the show. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Thank you so much for having me. I I really appreciate it. All right, brother, take care of yourself.